The subject of the evening talk is vitality. When we cast our mind's eye over the world and the world situations, we can certainly see them as being extraordinarily complex. Maybe, Roger, if we could turn that over and make less noise. Oh, great. Fine. And we see that in looking at this world, there are a staggering number of issues which confront the planet, the reality of it, that we are faced with today, and the implications of what that means for tomorrow. And so wherever, we, wherever our mind's eye turns, there seems to be a, a diverse number of extraordinarily complex issues. And one wonders how, how on earth they can be resolved. And it seems to be such that it comes to the point where we wonder whether or not there is the time, given the limitations of the earth and its activities, and not only whether there is the time, but also whether there is the vitality. And we see this situation which we live in, and we wonder sometimes, well, perhaps in real terms, we're coming to the latter stages of the Industrial Revolution, that in the space of a, a hundred years or two hundred years or less, so much of the earth has been sapped of all its resources, or at least it's approaching that one wonders whether we are not actually at the tail end of an era, and if so, whether there is going to be, in fact, a next step, and what the vitality is for it. And in our looking at our life and our relationship to this, Despite the complexity of issues, sometimes it seems also that the actual solutions to them are relatively simple. That given observation, given understanding, given the willingness to bring about change and to find out what that means, reduces the complexity into simple issues, issues of inner transformation, issues of outer change. And rather often, in this connection that we have with life, It concerns me that we tend to underestimate our own resources, the energy which we have, the vitality which we are capable of, 
And it seems that various factors, psychological factors, latent, latent conditioning, produce inside of ourselves various images. And we look at life inwardly and outwardly <coughs> through these images, and the images prevent vitality flowing, prevent the energy from getting underway, prevent participating in life in a, a full and expansive way. Let me, give a, let me give a very simple and concrete example of how we underestimate ourselves, undermine ourselves. You may or may not have noticed, for those of you who are, who are here for the first time, that prior to your arrival here, you were told through the brochure, the leaflet, very, very little about what the day would be like. You knew it would be meditation. You probably heard of transcendental meditation. Fifteen minutes in the morning, fifteen minutes in the evening, nothing too strenuous. And one may have had an idea that a meditation retreat and the, 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 the background of it and the organization of it would be something along those kind of lines. And I wonder what the reaction would have been if we had said or written the day begins at 5 a.m. <laughs> It's silence throughout the day. The shortest sitting meditation is for 45 minutes and goes up to an hour. And there are, in the course of the day, seven, eight or nine sittings. You'll have no contact with anybody except the, uh, the teacher. You are strongly, strongly suggested while here to eat very... Uh, moderately, that when you are sitting, not to move, to keep very still. And if one had heard those messages, and that how the day goes from 5 o'clock in the morning to 9.30, and then, as there will be tomorrow, uh, an encouragement to do a late-night sitting after the hot drink, one image which w might have arisen in one's mind could have been something like, I couldn't do it. It's not for me. I could never do anything like that. I'm not made for it. I never sat cross-legged in my life. <coughs> and so, <coughs> one sees a situation, <coughs> or hears of it outside of oneself, and the image is produced, the reaction comes up in terms of that particular image, and with it goes a denial. Denial of what one is capable of, what one is able to find energy and vitality for. And so often the image is not in accordance with the reality. In other words, one, using this as a, an example, one comes into the situation 
And one finds, despite the difficulties, the frustration, the completely erratic mind, and the body which refuses to cooperate at any level, in spite of all of that, and in spite of all the resistances which accompanies that, something or other keeps flowing inside, keeps giving some kind of encouragement to stay with it. And give or take a few uh, 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 breaks that basically there is a rhythm and flow and continuity. There is the empowerment within ourselves to follow the day through, right from the beginning through to the end. And in that we break the image, we break the idea, often the deeply rooted idea, I can't, I can't, I can't. So in our, in our relationship to life, and, the, and one which is a transforming relationship, it is certainly one of picking up inside of ourselves the hindrance, the psychological hindrance which prevents us from flowing and dealing with a situation fully and completely. And how many things in our life do we block out? Do we deny without ever actually being exposed to it, without ever actually experiencing and getting in contact and touch with And we find this not only with relationship to events in the present, we see it also with regard to tomorrow or a few days. And there's that image that arises with regard to time, things of time. I'm here for a fortnight. Whew. How am I on earth am I going to get through a fortnight of this? Started off at 6 o'clock in the morning. We went to 5.30. Then we went to 5 o'clock. God, where's it going to end? <laughs> It ends at five o'clock. <laughs> However, <laughs> if you wish. <laughs> and, and then there's the, the sense of the continuity with regard to X number of days. And one finds oneself, you know, counting off the days. God, that's one day less. That's one day less. One day less to go, one day less to go. And within that, it's all an expression, very understandable expression of difficulties, the difficulty, the bare difficulty of being very much with oneself. Something which we really experience with a sustained continuity. This sense and this growing capacity to deal with the reality, 
to be aware of the kind of images which hinder us, sometimes render us helpless, brings about inside of ourselves a change, a change in energy, a change, a, a, a vitality out of ourselves. And with that must come a greater confidence, a greater sense of our capacity to live life day to day fully and clearly. Because the images must keep arising. And that becomes part of our field of work. And it's rather unfortunate that this long-standing tradition of a contemplative awareness, a meditative observation of what's occurring from moment to moment, is something which has almost faded from many of the religious practices and traditions. And on the visits to the States, quite regularly, priests and nuns and monks, mostly from Catholicism, come on the retreat. And I hear quite regularly, come to the end of the retreat, them say to me, you know, I spent years in the seminary years in the theology college and the church and the priests they never told us about this they never never told us about the contemplative practices about meditation what we did was that we just learnt what the what the theologians had said who had lived in the corridors of knowledge at the universities, and what the major voices of the church had expounded over the years, like Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine. But actual expression of that message of Jesus, be ever watchful, the kingdom of God is at hand. That actual encouragement to be ever watchful, to see clearly and discover. They never told us about it. Now we have to go to another tradition, another practice. And it's rather unfortunate in this world that the energy and the vitality and, and the love and the interest for has... It's in, it really is just in the hands of such, such, such few people, so, so few of us. And we see that within this activity, we go from experiencing waves of tiredness and dullness and cloudiness and the energy not, energy not flowing to more receptivity, more energy. One finds one is able to begin the day early in the day and then uh, in the very early hours. One is able to, to follow the day through. 
and something is happening with, within, our, within ourselves and owing to the sustained basis that each sitting, each meditation, each period of time establishes us a little bit more. Given the frequency of uh, um, periods of time which we lose it, which we feel disconnected, but just to say in a general way one can see that from the first day to the second day to the third day that there is a potential at least within us to to stretch ourselves a little bit more I just mentioned Thomas Aquinas for those of you who are fortunate enough not to know church history Thomas Aquinas lived centuries ago, maybe 12th century, foremost theologian in the Roman Catholic Church. Must First comes St. Paul, then afterwards comes this chap Thomas. And towards the end of his life, having spent years, I mean literally years and years, thinking studying and writing in which, if, which all the, the philosophies of the church and the dogmas of the church having gone through all of this for years he had a religious insight spontaneous insight or a mystical experience or a revelation or whatever one might call it and he realized and as he said and he recorded all those years of study and philosophizing and thinking and, and writing, etc., were a complete waste of time. Because of one revelation. The church seems to have completely forgotten that their own theologian said this. So, in moving away from the religiosity of life and being, as it were, ensnared within that, one comes to more to basic actualities of finding ways and means to really work on the consciousness. And religious life, whether it has religious form to it, which we are familiar with, or whether it doesn't, and therefore it's called, I would call, spiritual life, that is, spirituality without the religion, that the primary emphasis on that is to transform consciousness to create new ways of seeing and understanding and love, to bring it out into this world and therefore becomes a transforming power. And if it doesn't do that, it's also a waste of time. Now sometimes what we, what we see and observe is 
here we are participating in this world and some events in this world or situations in this world have their impact on us and the impact specific situations register, registers itself it strikes us and when something strikes us often particularly if it's difficult we react to that situation to that incident in the way that we've always done always in other words within us there are certain places inside of us where there's a definite restriction in the mind, a limitation a knot a susceptibility and put us, put you, put me in a particular situation with particularly similar circumstances though the names and the forms and the place may be different but a particular conjunction of events and within that the mind can be struck struck deeply in that susceptible place and what emerges out of that knot is the same kind of stuff that's been emerging in from the same place year in, year out <coughs> that knot, that place sometimes has such an influence that it literally colours our whole perception it gives us a really jaundiced view of everything <coughs> you know sometimes something has struck you it's produced a, one, it, it, it's, it hurts it's produced a, a worry, an anxiety, an agitation inside just like it's always done and you're with a person and this is colouring the mind, colouring consciousness I mean literally colouring and the person that you're with doesn't know this one's keeping it, as we often do, rather quiet to ourselves and that place is still activating inside that jaundiced view and the person says look at that look at that beautiful squirrel on the branch playing, hopping, running up and down the, the branch collecting acorns and you look and say, oh yeah the mind can't feel it can't respond it can't, it doesn't have in that particular time, that vitality, that openness inside to, to appreciate that an everyday ordinary but rather beautiful gesture of the, the, the squirrel running up and down the, the branch with the acorns. And so it's within our own freshness, our, our vitality, when our energy is flowing more, more freely and expansively that this world 
despite the complexity of it, the apparent complexity, in order the the problems, the awesome problems which face it and us, still the earth and the and the sky and the nature still communicates to us much which which is extraordinarily beautiful, which is precious. Precious in that it's occurring and precious too in the fact that we, our heart and mind is open to be able to feel it. And to be able to be such that we can respond to it. And in our world, it's becoming increasingly rare. Becoming increasingly rare to be open and receptive to, to, to the beauties in life and to, and, to, to, and to connect with them. And the reason is because we have these knots, we have these compact areas, we have these restrictions, which we become so much involved in, and in that involvement in that, on the one hand it makes our life feel very finite and very narrow and sometimes rather petty when we're judgmental on ourselves, but correspondingly it also denies us the opportunity to see life and the vitality of it in other ways. message from the nature. The whole Dharma talk this evening took place outside this room. So in our meditation retreat, and in this coming more deeply in touch and, and in contact with ourselves, Part of the process of the meditation is that it makes us, hopefully, more aware of, as it were, the locations of these restrictions. It makes us more clear of the areas which we need to give more time, care and attention to. What we need to look at, what we need to work with. What well, is an obstruction for us in some way or other? Now, in the course of the meditations, hopefully these things stand out more distinctly. It might be the fear, it might be the anger, it might be the emotional life, it might be the anxiety, it might be the identification with, it might be the ambitiousness, it might be the competitiveness, it might be the judgmental mind, whatever, whatever, whatever. <coughs> but certain areas, in their standing out, as it were, we go, hopefully, to see well, ways and means that we can work with that. 
work with that by just looking at it openly and honestly and directly. Working with it by meeting with another and going into it one to one. Working with it by some reflection. Working with it by some experimentation. Working with it in meditation. Whatever. So that we create hopefully the circumstances in, a, in our life which says yes I get blocked off yes I miss out much on life and its expansiveness and the reasons that I do is because I get stuck here because I get stuck here I get stuck here and the places what some of us have found what I have found is that the places <clears throat> where one is stuck as one looks back over the years of working on oneself, that the places change. Sometimes there's a persistent thread which can take some long time working with, working out, working through. And sometimes it just changes. And that one finds oneself in one's life in fresh situations and a whole new fresh area which which one has to work with and to comprehend and to go into. And sometimes it's simply because one's changed one's role. From being a monk to being a father, as an example. Now, when there's less of the restrictions, when there's the working with some of these restrictions, it must <coughs> mean, to some degree or other, that the energy and the vitality begin to work more fluidly. And one begins to see two things in life beginning to come together. One is the energy, and the other is the perception, or the insight, or the idea. And these two begin to, to, to unite together. As one begins to see clearly, one sees these two harmonizing. In other words, some people have in life a lot of energy, but it's a rather it's an, an, an energy which isn't focused, isn't flowing harmoniously, isn't flowing as a channel. So the energy is, is there, the vitality is there, but there's no direction for it. The person doesn't know what to do with themselves. And there are some who have the idea, who have the perception, who, know, who knows and senses what needs to be done but don't, simply don't have the energy, the vitality. And so the idea comes, it re-comes, it takes birth again, it re-takes rebirth again, through the consciousness, but there's no energy to go there, there's no vitality to, to un unite with it and actualize it. And so the pro among the many aspects the process of the inner work is one in which these two 
start coming together in some way or other. Now sometimes one doesn't know what the next step is. You don't know, some, in some cases, literally where you're going from here. Energy is there, necessary. But when things are not emerging clearly, then one's practice must deepen. The meditations must deepen. Because if one doesn't know where one is going, in terms of direction, reason to be, it means that there, there isn't sufficient degree, but it may not be the case, there, there, there needs to be, let us say, a cultivation inside of oneself of a greater receptivity. So in other, in other words, a person is in the process of change, inner change, the person is working on himself, working on herself, and one has to actualize something in life itself. And what the next step is, is unclear. And if it's unclear and one has to accept that it's unclear for oneself, it won't change unless the consciousness changes. Understand? If, one do, if you don't know where you're going, and you just remain as you are, you're not going to know where you're going tomorrow, will you? Or the day after? Because you haven't changed. Neither have I. So the world will kind of push us here and there, touch all our buttons, touch the congested areas, and we'll go along with that. But it may not be what we want, or what we need, or what is appropriate for intelligent living. So deepening our meditation, or being more in touch inwardly, is a contribution towards maximizing our receptivity, so that the inner messages and the outer messages can connect. And out of that can come a knowing, a perception, a vitality, and an action to go with it. The perception and the vitality meet. So that if we don't know, okay, we don't know. So while we don't know, we, we endeavor to develop inwardly till the receptivity is there and the action to go with it. We see too <coughs> that in this vitality and the energy to meet life and, and meet, our, meet ourselves, that sometimes the idea comes, sometimes they come in, come in retreats. We had a person on a retreat who was by profession an inventor. <laughs> And he told me that the best inventions he ever came up with were on retreats. 
and he said he's been earning himself <laughs> quite a sizable income every year <coughs> by sitting in meditation retreats. <laughs> Whether or, that, or not that is the purpose of meditation <laughs> retreats, however. And so sometimes within the meditation, the creative idea, the creative expression, the creative insight begins, begins to emerge, it can begin to, to come through. But sometimes the energy itself, within that, oh, what I can do, as an example, sends, the vitality sends the idea up. It is almost actual inside of ourselves. We, as it were, get higher, the consciousness gets high on the idea. And the energy goes into the idea. And there's an interest there, there's an enthusiasm there, but what very easily happens is that in spite of the, the pleasure of the idea, whew, what a great idea! It may not ever get down to earth and onto the planet because the vitality and the energy has gone into the idea. There's, there's gone the high on it. And then energy begins to go down, as it must. The idea begins to come down with it. And well, that was a good idea. <laughs> and that's it. And so that we can be on these swings with the vitality and the energy because we haven't learned ways of making it creative expression. And unfortunately we use the future to put in all of our unexpressed ideas. It's the dumping ground for our mind. And we're so naive as human beings. And this is one of our great areas of naivety. It's as though the future is some, some eternal element. And you and I are living eternally. That is our great naivety. And when we live like that, with the future as the dumping ground for our ideas, death is, must be fearful. It must be a terrifying thought. Because death is going to cut off all the things I haven't done. It's going to stop me doing everything I want to do, everything I want to keep, everything I want to become. And if we see how we use the future as an escape route and therefore create for ourselves a, a restricted place inside, the relationship to, to, to tomorrow, to next week, to next year must change. And if we begin to find and discover this vitality and its expression in our daily life, and what that means, we're going to find a fulfillment in our daily life. A fulfillment which is 
so full that death isn't going to be a great sweat, not going to be a great problem, because it's not blocking off anything. So in our meditations, in our days that we are here together, being aware of our relationship to tomorrow, next week, next month, being aware of our relationship to the present, aware of those pockets of congestion, those, those limitations which place restrictions on ourselves. And see those more carefully, look at those, see where the habitual factors are in those. Giving more care and attention to them, putting the light of our attention onto them. Which takes the, begins to take the power out of them. And through that there is more genuinely, more opening up inside. And there more of an, a greater expansive sense in our relationship to life. In that expansiveness, of course, vitality and love must flow. Must flow. And the beauty of that, that the inner beauty of that for us is that that flow doesn't require effort. It just flows. It's just its nature unhindered. unhindered. And there's that sense of that intimate and fulfilling participation with life. When we discover that, everything takes care of itself. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings live with vitality. May all beings live with love. Let's have a three or four minute quiet period. <coughs> 